guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to my new live streaming show, Common Ground. So good to be with you on this beautiful June summer Saturday here at Jenkinson's Boardwalk in perfect Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. Happy to be with you. Uh, my uh, wife Jody and I just left a fundraiser this morning. We had pancakes with Pat for our good friend Pat Johnson, who's running for the state Senate in the 14th district covering Mercer County. Uh, she is an outstanding candidate. We had a packed house at the Hilton Garden Inn in Hamilton. Hamilton, New Jersey is one of those towns where it is on the verge of turning from blue to red, as are many towns across this state. And as you know, I am focused on local and everything that we're doing from the radio show to this new show. We are focused on building New Jersey up and saving this state from the ground up. And, and it starts with school board. It goes right on to city council, mayor, commissioners, state assembly, state senate, and everything in between from county sheriffs to your local ordinance directors, whoever is working in government, the, those appointees, the folks that are on the planning boards, etc., school boards for sure, absolutely critical that we focus on local government. And that is all going to lead to hopefully a new majority in 2023. And we are fighting hard for that. Only seven seats away from that change in majority in the assembly, only six seats away in the Senate. But regardless, we are going to have an opportunity in 2025 to elect a new governor. And as you know, uh, our, you know, our radio audience is the largest in the state. I mean, New Jersey 101.5, more than a million and a half people tuning in. And when you think about an audience that size in a state with nine million people, the most important takeaway for me is that our audience is split in thirds. So don't think that this is just about electing uh, Republicans. This is about empowering Republicans, empowering Democrats, empowering independents. My show in particular split right down the middle, a third Democrat, a third independent, and a third Republican. And what does that tell you? That tells you that this movement of parents, this movement of taxpayers, this movement of regular working class folks in New Jersey is taking hold and it completely transcends party lines. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do for a living, the color of your skin, your sexual orientation. No, what matters is that we come together as Americans, we come together as New Jerseyans, we come together as moms and dads working in middle class families and say we've had enough. We've had enough of government trying to separate us and isolate us. You know, I said this this morning at the breakfast, I said, if you go back to what happened during the lockdowns, there was one goal in mind. It certainly wasn't public health. It certainly wasn't public safety. What was it? It was to divide us. It was to turn us against each other because they wanted to have black versus white. They wanted to have gay versus straight. They wanted to have middle class versus upper class versus working class. It didn't work because we are still standing. But let me tell you what did work. What did work is it mobilized millions of Americans across this country to say, we have had enough. We are seeing this change in New Jersey. Look guys, I'm old enough to remember, and many of you are as well, when in 1993, the slogan was Florio free in 93. Why? Because they were referencing the Democratic governor at the time. And there's a long history with Jim Florio as governor and what could have happened had he won re-election. What I want to focus on is the movement that bounced him out of office. That movement was a movement of taxpayers saying, we're not interested in the nuances of your budgets. We're interested in the fact that you raised taxes, $2.8 billion on working families in this state, and you did it overnight, sneaky in the middle of the night. And it happened and you stuck us with the bill. Well, he was rewarded by being bounced out of office the very next year. So 
that movement, Hands Across New Jersey, all of the folks that rallied, honestly, it launched our radio station, New Jersey 101.5. New Jersey 101.5 was this small station that, that nobody had really heard of. And all of a sudden, Jim Gerhart and Eric Scott, who is still our news anchor on the morning show, uh, they got together and said, we're going to give people a voice. And they did it. And what happened? It, it ushered in eight years of Republicans. Now, I am here to tell you as a Republican, they didn't do such a good job. As a matter of fact, our debt went up, our borrowing went up, our, our spending went up, our taxes went up. So we are now given this historic chance again in 2023, 24, and 25, but it's not about taxes. What it's about is parental rights. What it's about is small business. What it's about is law enforcement and keeping our community safe. So these are all the themes that we're going to cover over the course of the next couple of years. I know you stand with us. Uh, today, we are here on a Saturday at uh, Jenkinson's Boardwalk for a very important reason. I want to help usher in a great summer season at the Jersey Shore because it is truly all about local business. It's about local business. Do you know that 1.9 million New Jerseyans work in small businesses in this state and they get the short end of the stick from the government constantly, no matter who's been in office over the past 30 years, it's time we change that. Now, back to what I was saying originally, it is about local. It's about mayors. It's about council members. When you have a strong mayor You've got a strong community. I want to bring in my first guest for today. His name is Paul Kanitra, and he is the mayor of Point Pleasant Beach. He is also a candidate for the state assembly. Paul, it is so good to see you. Hey, Bill. Good to Thanks see you. Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, give him a round of applause. We have a live studio audience here at, uh, at Jenks today. So, Paul, uh, happy summer. It's here. The season's here. Let's start with the positive um, of how it feels to be mayor in a in a small Jersey town, knowing that this rush of summer business is coming your way. Well, you said it earlier. You called it perfect Point Pleasant Beach, <laughs> and I'll take that. Uh, but making it perfect is not an easy task, especially nowadays with uh, the craziness coming out of out of Trenton. And we live and die by the summer season here in Point Pleasant Beach. So when our businesses were hurt by the pandemic and the, sh the subsequent shutdown, uh, and then the families were chased away by some of the craziness coming out of Trenton, that hurt our businesses here. So for the last four years, we've really devoted all of our resources, all of our time, all of our blood and sweat to bringing the families back to Point Pleasant Beach and to making this that perfect destination. And I think what we've done here, what we've accomplished is a roadmap for the state in general, because you see you see all the the lack of adhering to law and order throughout the state and the lack of consequences. And whether that is, you know, with illegal immigration, whether that is with increasing car thefts, increase in retail thefts, whether that is lack of accountability for minors with marijuana and alcohol and drug usage. Those problems trickle down to places like Point Pleasant Beach. Let's talk about how you handled it here. I mean, we had this this ridiculous uh, tolerance for the, I don't even know, they call them pop-up parties, pop, but ridiculous. They're pop-up riots is what they are. And you've got right. potentially thousands of young people coming in, uh, disruptive, um, committing crimes, intimidating people, shutting businesses. How did you deal with it in, uh, in Point Beach? Well, I think first you have to ask yourself, why as a society, why as a state, have we gotten to the point where young people feel so emboldened that yeah. they can do that? In a society like this, where they can talk back to the police officers, they can spit at the police officers, they can come here, and when, when they, they make these pop-up parties, they make graphics online, and we've had some that have literally said, 
public boxing matches. Bring your own weed. Bring your own alcohol. It's amazing. Uh, you know, twerk contests. Whatever, whatever. You know, kind of disruptive stuff. And it's blatantly breaking our laws. And you would have never seen that 20 or 30 yeah. years ago when we were younger. Well, the cops were empowered 20 years ago. And yep. and you know, one of the good relationships that you've built in Point Beach is with your local police force. And you've got a good chief. You've got you've got good officers. Now, do you add a lot of officers in the summer season? How does that work for you? We do. We uh, we really go through uh, a huge increase, just like our population. We're five thousand people year round. In the summer, on any busy day, we have 50,000 people in town. Yeah. So our police force, our public works, everything has to grow proportionately to that. So we go from a 24-person police force in the summer to about 80 uh, to 90 police officers. Wow. And, uh, and that takes a, a financial commitment, and yeah. it takes a support of the community. And what you were saying about your radio show, how it's segmented into thirds, right? A third Republicans, right. a third Independents, a third Democrats. What's happening in Point Pleasant Beach with our police department as well and support for the police, I think, shows that there is that appetite amongst families across yeah. the state because we have a very diverse community in the summertime here. Our town has uh, a large chunk of independents and Democrats as right. well, but if you go look on their lawns, you'll see we support the Point Pleasant Beach Police right. Department right. because it doesn't matter what political party you are, you, are, you want law and order. Yeah, uh, there, there's no question. And, uh, you know, let, I mean, you look at how people here are interacting you got a packed house here today uh, on the boardwalk. Got a packed beach behind us. There's an expectation that law and order is going to be there. Let's talk about the wind farms for a minute. You've been <laughs> one of the big advocates saying, what are we doing? In short, what's the big negative impact of these wind farms that they're trying to push with this Green New Deal? Anywhere between a 10 to 50 percent decrease in tourism. It's in, it's in their own paperwork, right? Amazing. Uh, New Jersey's an industrialized yeah. state. We know that. You come to the beach to look out at an uninterrupted horizon, right. and the last thing you want to see is this dystopian view of these things <laughs> droning on with the red lights flashing in the background. It's common sense. More importantly, the flies. <laughs> Tell me about the flies. I mean, you know, the, the flies come in and you are running off the beach. So what? how could the wind disrupt the whole fly pattern? Because you get like three or four days down here where the beach is kind of unusable. Typical government does never looks at the small details, right? Uh, we have four or five days a year where the green flies eat you alive. I live across the street from the beach. You see people running off the beach when they're right. here, and they're kept at bay by the direction of the wind. Right. Wind farms literally chew up the wind. That's how they convert it into energy. And when that decreases the breeze that we feel at the shore, it also could have effects on flies and, and other stupid things right. like that that you wouldn't so even think about. stop the wind towers to <laughs> keep the flies off the beach. Uh, Paul, how do people get in touch with you if they want to hear about your campaign for the assembly? Uh, and, uh, and where do you want people to go if they want to find out what to do in Point Beach this summer? Uh, well, Point Pleasant Beach has a great Chamber of Commerce website. It shows all the great events that we have. We're rescheduling the offshore boat race. Uh, Jenkinson's has country nights on Wednesdays, uh, different events throughout the weekends. They have movies on the, on the beach. It's, it's all over the place on either Jenks.com or the Point Pleasant Beach Chamber of Commerce's website. Uh, it's going to be an incredible summer. We're super excited awesome. about it, and we just hope everybody turns out. And your campaign, I know you don't want to make a campaign plug, but I want people to learn more about you. You know, you're taking this idea of local governance and taking it to Trenton. I never thought in a million years I would be running for state <laughs> yeah, assembly. Sure. I thought down the road right. I'd be running maybe for Congress or something like that. But I got so upset 
with these laws, with this win project and how bad it is yeah. and the hypocrisy of it. Because as Republicans, we sta- stood here years ago and said we don't want oil oil derricks off our right, coast either. But now, for some reason, the Democrats can't have that same objectivity yeah. with, with the wind turbines. So I saw stuff like that. I saw the alcohol and drug use. And, and I said, I got to go to Trenton and I got to fight this. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing. I, I think I'm going to be able to help the whole shore community. We have yeah. a great district. Let me tell you, it goes from Spring Lake and Spring Lake Heights all the way down the coast to Tom's River and South Tom's River. Uh, and we share all the issues together. So I'm going to be a tireless advocate awesome. for the shore and everything that's going on here. You're doing a great job. Thanks, man. Mayor, I appreciate thank, it so much. Thank you. Have a Paul great Kinitra, Mayor of Point Pleasant Beach. Great to have you. All right, let's uh, bring in our next guest. I want to thank uh, the owners, the Storino family who owns Jenkinson's here in Point Pleasant Beach. Uh, great family, a great history of supporting small business and, and working class folks. Uh, please welcome PJ Storino. PJ, how you doing? Very good. How you doing, Bill? Appreciate you being here. So thank you for having us. What a great place. Yeah, we got a beautiful day. Yeah. Super so nice out here. What do you want to say about uh, how business is going? I mean, uh, rough, rough time over two and a half years of lockdowns, two rough summers. We're back. We're back. How this summer, we're really yeah. back. Last summer saw the... Uh, business start to grow after COVID and everything shut down for a little bit there. But this summer, we're really looking forward to uh, business resuming normal. I love it. How many people do you expect to visit the, uh, the boardwalk this year? Oh, a lot. This, yeah. this should be the best yeah. summer since COVID happened. Great. As long as we get the weather, we're expecting big crowds. Yeah, we're yeah. getting it, though. I mean, look at it, right? Yeah, it's supposed to rain today. Rain, I told Dan Zaro you took a week off, and I don't know what happened. I got no re- weather report for today, but here we are. I love it. It's are. beautiful. They said a little rain, but it's looking nice. Yeah. So, yeah. you got a great uh, staff here. How many businesses are operating on the boardwalk now? Uh, lots of them. We, we have the aquarium, right? funhouse, yeah. amusements, yeah. the restaurant. Martell's is next door. Martell's is great. Beach. We had a yeah. charity event there the other night. Fantastic. Yeah, there's plenty of businesses up on the boardwalk and businesses throughout Point Pleasant Beach, too. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Uh, how long have you guys been involved with this? Uh, my family has directly been involved since 1976. My grandfather wow. purchased this uh, pavilion here that yeah. we're sitting at in 1976. And he's expanded little by little. My father and uncle expanded, and now I'm the third generation here. I love it. So, yeah. Well, congratulations, PJ. Thank you for inviting us in. Uh, Thank you for opening up this great place. Thank you for making the staff so available. Your security has been great. And uh, you just made this. We're celebrating our 95th year. 95 years. Give them a round of applause. 95 years. uh, built this pavilion in 1928. I love it. Yeah. Paul, uh, PJ, thank you. It was great to meet you. Great to have you here. And uh, we will certainly be back. Thank you. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back with Common Ground. More to come. You're going to meet Frank Sadehi, who is running at you. Wait till you hear his story of how he got to this country and why he's running for commissioner on the other side of this. Hey, guys, Bill Spadia here. Like you, I am sick and tired of the culture of acceptance that has been beaten into us by Trenton politicians on both sides of the aisle accepting their higher taxes, accepting higher tolls, crumbling roads, accepting a radical school curriculum, accepting busloads of illegal border crossers, accepting prisoners being let out before they complete their sentences, and perhaps worst of all, accepting losing November after November. It is time to break the mentality of acceptance being pushed by Trenton politicians. We need to demand common sense policies and leaders who get it. I am excited to announce the launch of Elect 
Common Sense and to serve as its honorary chairman. It is time to get back to winning. Rob Gill here, founder of Epic Financial Strategies, and we are so proud to support Bill Spadia's live streaming show, Common Ground. Are you worried about your financial future? Are you concerned about the bank failures in the economy so far in 2023? Would you like to change your mindset about money, secure your financial future, and if it sounds like you, go to www.moneymindset2023.com. We have a gift of a personal financial website for you. What you have to do is click the red button, go on the website, fill out the form, first name, last name, email, and phone number, so one of our members can reach out to you. There's no obligation, it's a consultation where you could claim the personal financial website, which by the way, allows you to connect all your financial institutions. So all of your decision-making is based on logic, math, and science, not emotional timidity, not a gut level hunch, or not somebody's opinion. Looking forward to spending some more time with you. Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to our new streaming show, Common Ground. We are outside on a beautiful summer day here at Jenkinson's Boardwalk in perfect Point Pleasant Beach. So thank you for joining me. If you're watching us on, on NJ, streaming on Roku, Rumble, YouTube, you know what to do. Like it, share it, do what you gotta do. If you're here live in the studio audience, we appreciate you being here. Make sure you tip your wait staff and order more. Enjoy this summer day. I want to thank uh, PJ Storino, who is the owner of Jenkinson's Boardwalk. They are celebrating their 95th year in business. How cool is that? This is obviously an iconic place. This is the Jersey Shore, no doubt about it. I also want to recognize a friend of ours, Jen Ursillo, is here in the studio audience. Uh, news Afternoon news anchor on New Jersey 101.5. All right, I want to... Uh, flip the conversation, right? So we, we've talked about local business, we've talked about what we're doing and the importance of starting from the ground up, the importance of saying that you have to elect people at the local level. You've got to start at the school board. You've got to move up to um, mayor, and you've got to go from mayor to assembly. You've got to go from assembly to the Senate. And all through that, there is a level of government that a lot of people outside of the state don't know about, and that is our county commissioners. Now, county commissioners, if you go back, not I don't know, four or five years, they were called freeholders. And then some woke, politically correct board of somebody decided that freeholder was a racist term so they changed it to commissioner we're going to call a commissioner because that is what the title is on the ballot but here's the important thing when you talk about the layers of government in new jersey your taxes are coming from a variety of places. And when you've got weak county commissioners, you can have spending that is out of control, and obviously that is gonna impact your taxes. Now we all know that a lion's share of your real estate taxes are going to support our schools, and we've got major problems with the New Jersey Education Association, major problems with the Department of Education, and we have to make changes from the top down and fire a lot of bureaucrats. That said, the way back for this state is to start from the ground up. And my next guest, his name is Frank Sadehi. He is a an incredibly successful New Jersey businessman. He's got an unbelievable story of coming to this country as a new American. And he is running for commissioner in Ocean County. He is arguably one of the best representatives of the American dream. And he's turning that into a sacrifice for the rest of us by picking up the slack and running for office. Frank today, come on in. Give him a big round of applause. Frank, how are you? Good to see you, Bill. Great to see you. So let, let's let's start with, uh, talk a little bit about your, um, your business. 
and how you got started in business and what the business climate in New Jersey has been like for you and, and other small businesses around the state. Well, it's been outstanding. I started uh, the engineering company in 1993. I can't believe it, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and uh, I thought the, the first challenge was, who, what am I gonna name this company? And I thought Sedegi Associates or Sedegi Engineering just didn't have the same cachet as Morgan Engineering. And the reason I named it Morgan Engineering <laughs> yeah. is my daughter's name is Morgan. So it's been outstanding, uh, the engineering company. We've, we probably have over 100 employees right now, and most of these folks live in Ocean County great. and use the businesses in Ocean County. What's the big challenge that you've found from, uh, from the state on down, being a small business operating with employees like that here? Well, anybody who has had a small business or operates in small business understands that we're constantly hitting our head against the, uh, a brick wall, dealing with the, the regulatory agencies from the state of New Jersey to all you know, the, the little municipalities that we have to deal with. Uh, it, it's, uh, if you don't have the stomach for it, you shouldn't do it. Tell me about how you got to this country. You have an amazing, I mean, George Gilmore, yeah. a great Ocean County chairman, introduced us, and, and he has he has hinted at your story in a lot of different speeches, and I, I, I love that you're smiling when I bring up your story because it is one of triumph and success, and it comes out of incredible adversity. And I think you are a great example of someone who uh, faced adversity, overcame the adversity, and has now turned it into this incredible success story but take me back to where you came from and how you got here uh, I have to smile because this journey has been incredible and all of it most of it goes to the fact that you have a country here that welcomes people from from other countries and gives all the opportunities that one can ask for to thrive if you don't mind working hard this is the place to be and I came here when I was a teenager, I think it was 1977, when uh, I landed at the Kennedy Airport, didn't know anything about this country, you might as well, you know, drop me off in Mars or someplace. In fact, it took me a couple of days just to figure out how to use the phone system. Younger people don't understand this. We didn't have cell phones. There were pay phones a, back in the day, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Why and, did you come here, though? You had a your, your father charged you with carrying on a, a your your family, and it was a very emotional time for you. It, he knew, and you know, um, the more I realize about my father's ways as I'm getting older the more I realized how wise he was and how um, he looked ahead and he could forecast what was coming. And he knew what was happening and he told me, you know what, you have to leave, you have this to go someplace. Iran. That's right. We're in Iran. Live in Iran. In a tumultuous time through the 70s into the 80s. That's exactly right. And um, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm the oldest uh, kid, so he said, you have to go you have to go someplace. He knew that I had the work ethics and I was always a pretty good student. So he said, I want you to go someplace where you can utilize those resources and those things that you have and thrive and make, make yourself a good uh, life. But don't forget about your siblings and don't forget about your mother. 
and make sure that you bring them at some point to the to the U.S. and which I've done and, you've and done kept it. that promise. You kept the promise. Amazing. And he passed away actually two weeks before I left Iran, which kind of made it that much more difficult. Uh, you know the circumstances. How long before you got out of the airport in JFK and all of a sudden you felt like, wait a minute, where, what what have I done? It, it took me a couple of days to actually be able to operate. Like there's the a movie in this is what there is. <laughs> I think they've done movies about the terminal, right? Like you, all of a sudden you're in the airport. Don't speak a word of English. Well, yeah, we're trying to uh, see who, who would cast, who would be the younger Frank Sedegians. <laughs> it's, it's between Brad Pitt and uh, Bill Spade at this point. <laughs> but what was the, when, now you go from there, you started at zero. And what was that journey like? And what was the, I mean, if you're talking to someone, and I want to get to your race for commissioner, but, you know, if you're talking to a young person, because today, Frank, I don't have to tell you that there's a lack of ambition, there's a lack of energy, there's an awful lot of complacency when it comes to the economy. You know, a lot, a lot of people are sitting back saying, not only um, do I not want to go do that, but even if I wanted to start a business, it's too hard. It's too hard, too many obstacles, can't do it. What do you say to them? I, I really think, and look, I'm guilty as well as you know a lot of other people. I think we provide for our kids so much, and there's something to be said about adversity and the kids kind of being on their own and realizing what it takes to be successful. Because this country provides you with all the opportunities. You don't have to start with having money, having opportunities. This country provides that for you. It's become a cliche, but I have to say it and I have to repeat it. I experienced it. And along the journey, I knew this is how hopeful this country is. I knew every moment, every step. And I went through some, I went through homelessness. I, I went through not having enough to eat. Didn't have any family members, didn't have any friends for support. I've, I've gone through all those hardships, but I knew every step of the way that I was going to be successful and I was going to make it. I love it. I love the attitude. I love what you've accomplished. Why run for county commissioner? It's, it's the old adage, and again, maybe it's cliche, that I have to give something back, back to the community. I love Ocean County. I've lived here for 30-some years. I raised my kids here. Uh, I've, Ocean County has given my kids good education, good opportunities. Thank God they're, they're good adults now. They're in their 30s and they have jobs and they're doing well. And hopefully at some point they're, they're going to raise their own kids in Ocean County. And I have to give something back. As you said, I'm thankful that the business is successful, that you know we're doing well, but there's gotta be more to that, it can't, it can't stop there. And that's why, and people ask me this all the time, at this point in your life, why do you need this? And, and I think also the county government, they, we're in good shape. Ocean County has good government, honest no government. But, and you know most of the uh, commissioners. And, and I have to say, I mean, I mean the, the, the job that's been done by the county commission over, over the past decade has been outstanding. But what's interesting about it is, and, and why I, I'm excited for your campaign and, and the, 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 the fact that we built a friendship and getting to know each other uh, is great because it speaks well for the future because what you're showing is you have to leave a legacy. So as good as things have That's been, right. they don't continue 
unless you have good people following that path. That's right. That's exactly right. And if I can have any kind of input and a little bit of a um, fingerprint on what's coming, you know, for the future of Ocean County, that's what I'm going to strive for. And as a business person, I think the, the county commissioners need that input, the efficiency and the accountability yeah. that comes with running a business. And that's what I'm going to bring to county government. Frank Sadehi, awesome. Thank you so great much. Great to see Thank you. you. Thank you. Isn't he great? This is what you need. Think about, think about the message of overcoming the revolution in Iran. Think about how Iran has devolved into a hellhole and the strength and the courage of one father to tell his oldest son, get to America and don't forget your siblings and your mom. And, and that story has an enormous impact over everything that drives us forward in this state. How many of you are looking around saying, how do we make this state better? Why, is, why have things gotten so bad? Why are we allowing radicals to run rampant over our law enforcement, over our school boards, and, and sexualize our kids and tear our families and small businesses apart? It's time to make sure that we create that stability, that strength here and and take it back from the radicals. But where you have good government, we need good people to step up to keep the good government. I don't have to tell you, I mean, I was born in Camden, Lady Lords Hospital in Camden, New Jersey. Camden is a place that you can't even walk the streets in the day now. And when you look at a place like Camden, you look like a place like Camden County. When I was a kid, Camden County was all Republican. We had some of the lowest taxes in the state. We had vibrant business, small manufacturing, all of it. And then it completely turned on its ear. And the, the Democratic Party, although I would argue 10 years ago was somewhat normal, now they've gone completely off the rails. And you can't allow a county like Ocean County to fall into the hands of the radicals because it will go the same way that we've seen in Essex, in Camden, and others. Okay, now, one of the things that we've been fighting hard against is the intrusion of the radical left agenda when it comes to energy. And we've seen this happen. We see it play out in California. We've seen it play out in Germany. Uh, the minute they went to alternative energy in Germany, what happened? A couple of interesting things. One, blackouts, brownouts, and an increasing reliance on coal. As a matter of fact, last year alone, the coal use in Germany is up almost 16% year over year. What does that tell you? What we've been saying now for years, wind and solar are not productive for grid power. You cannot sustain the grid if you go to these alternative green energy. The only green in these green energy projects is lining the pockets of big corporate interests and politicians that push their agenda. Now, I've spent a lot of time over the past few months, uh, Mayor Paul Kinitra and I have spoken at events together. Congressman Jeff Van Drew and I have talked about this both in public and offline about what needs to be done and how he's leading the fight in Congress to stop this. Um, but it really comes down to knowledge and it comes down to a couple of things that are very important, certainly to me and I believe every one of you. Number one, supporting the fishing industry in New Jersey. We have a vibrant fishing industry and the idea of wind turbines being built a thousand foot high between the vibrations and the diesel and the oil and everything else that goes with them 
it is such a major disruption to everything that we have when it comes to our commercial seafood, when it comes to our fishermen that are out there working hard, when it comes to our tourism. My next guest, his name is Brick Wenzel, and uh, he is a commercial fisherman. He runs a seafood co-op. Brick, come on in. Now, he's got some visuals, so I'm going to do my best to hold these up and see if we can see them at home. Brick, good to have you. How are you? Okay. Uh, have a seat. We're, we're, we're going to make... Uh, what are we his, doing? We're going to make history. All right. This is right. it. Is First this... time ever. Uh, this is fresh squid that just came off the boat. I love it. A half mile it. away from here. I we're, love it. We're unloading about a quarter million pounds of squid today in Point Pleasant Beach. No kidding. Beach. I love it. And so here That is, deserves a hand, right? right? All right. Thank you. Now, day. I don't I don't want to be negative here, but it, it's hot out. It feels it feel cold. This is cold. It just came off I, the boat. I feel like it needs to go on ice. Uh, am I the only one thinking we need a cooler? Maybe someone can help. I'm going to ask my better half, Jody, to grab that squid. There you go. Because I feel like I'm going to be preparing that tonight. Yes. So um, thank you. No, I appreciate my, that. My pleasure. So think about that. So the, mm -hmm. tell me about the commercial fishing industry in New Jersey. I think there are a lot of people that don't understand just how vibrant the yes. industry itself is. Forget the wind yep. towers yep. for a moment. Uh, what, is, what is coming into Jersey fisheries on well, a daily basis? Well, uh, let me tell you just a little bit about the commercial fishing industry in the state of New Jersey. Uh, we are, uh, we have the largest variety of seafood that comes yep. in yep. Uh, on the east coast of the United States. Yeah. Uh, so we catch over 200 different species of fish. No kidding. No kidding. And those fish uh, during the summer, they come up from uh, the uh, Gulf of Mexico. So you'll see barracuda and, yeah. and Jack Ravel and a bunch of other summer fish here. But during the winter, we get the fish that come down out of Canadian Maritime. So you're fishing all year long. Yeah. I think that's important yes. for people to note yep. that and the industry doesn't stop when the cold weather comes. Correct. Correct. Right. And, we all, and because of all the, the variety of fish and all, all year round uh, opportunity we have here, New Jersey has four of the top 20, 25 commercial fishing ports of continental United States. No kidding. So, uh, yeah, Point Pl Cape May is one of the top yep. five always. Uh, Atlantic City, uh, Barnegat, and Point Pleasant. And I, I always say it's uh, the top uh, 2025. It's because we're in we're in that category in volume and value. So clams they're pretty cheap, but they weigh a lot. Yeah. Scallops are very expensive. Yeah. But they don't weigh a lot. So we are in the top 2025 in in on the East Coast. That's amazing. I don't think most New Jerseyans mm -hmm. know that. No, it's a secret. Right? <laughs> Every, everybody thinks Massachusetts, which Massachusetts yeah. has beautiful ports up yeah. there. And, yeah. and Alaska is a whole other story. So we always say continental so, United States. So let's talk about, okay, so we've got this vibrant fishing industry. Yes. You've got thousands of people that are involved in this, both yep. the owners of the boats, mm -hmm. fishermen, mm -hmm. uh, those that run the fisheries, and everybody in between, from the truck drivers to transport. Don't forget the recreational industry. Right, because that, I mean, well, I, I, talk, I'm about, gonna I have talk about the commercial Captain industry. Captain Bob is coming but, on in a little bit. We did you know, a whole thing um, yep, with, with him yep, and his boat, yep, and you're right. Yep. The recreational fishing industry, when mm -hmm. you talk about these boating tours that go out, um, what's happening is not only is it an enormous multi-million dollar business yep. uh, that employs again thousands of people and mm -hmm. allows for families to grow and thrive and live and then to take the break it's like this great synergy between mm -hmm. those that are working outside of the industry to be able to get involved in the industry yep. on a casual basis and i've talked to captain bob i told now that jody's coming back in the room I'll, i uh, was not going to say it with her here but we've already we think we've booked our fishing tour okay yeah i, I did that because jody wasn't with me that day and i'm like oh bob i got to be on the boat i'm going to do it yeah. anyway um what 
is happening in the state, and I want you to weigh in on this, and then mm -hmm. maybe we'll show these visuals in a minute, is you've got the green energy push, which mm -hmm. is not green at all. Correct. And we're talking about um, hundreds of these wind towers that are gonna be thousands. a thousand feet high, thousands, thousands in fields all outside. But, but what you brought to my attention, Brick, and this mm -hmm. is why I wanted to have you on the show, I mean, number of reasons, but this was one of them, is that they are planning to put these in the shipping lanes. Correct. So yep. how did it get off the rails so badly that we've had a merger of green radicalism and what could potentially be a crushing blow to our fishing industry? Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring up the, the poster. Yeah, go ahead. Now, that's all right. So yeah. Let's do it. Uh, just so, uh, so. All right. What are we looking So Talking to the mic. Ten, oh, yeah. All right. So what yeah, are we so looking here. at here? Just real quick. Th ten yeah. years ago, this is what the development sites looked like. And I want everyone who's fighting the battle out there to know that we are having victories, right? So just because it seems overwhelming, a David and Goliath yeah. issue here, we are winning the battle. So this here area here called the Hudson South, this is many of the fishers know the mud hole, right? We've been able to stop this area from being developed. And the way we stopped them was going after the money. We went to the developers, financiers, and said, if you invest in, in developing this area, you were gonna lose money. And yeah. that's why this area is not being developed. So, so now what happened? So now, 10 years later, uh, let's hold it up this way. This is where we are. So you can see that we've stopped this area from being developed already, right? This is the area down off Atlantic City where a lot of people are very concerned about because of the visual aspects. And, yeah, sure. I mean, it's going to be all terrible. But the, the area that we're focusing on now is this Empire Wind site. So the, uh, a lot of people, when you talk about shipping lanes, they think it's this uh, purple color here. Yeah, that's actually yeah. the separation zone. So that's like the meridian in between the traffic lanes. Don't cross going that. In opposite. Right. right. And this it's is, everything else is where they're fishing. Yeah. And so they're traveling. This is a couple miles wide. Got it. Right. Got so it. so this these dotted lines here, this is actually the shipping lane. So they you can see visually with this picture that they forced they forced this wind to the the wind development. Uh, development site in between the shipping lanes. Yeah. And so I, I, if it's our, the perspective we're seeing right now, when it comes to the marine mammal interactions, where we, we're actually seeing floating marine mammals. I, I want to ask you about is that. That interaction so and where we're seeing it is in this area. Have a seat, let's, let's yeah, debunk sure. a myth here. So yeah. I, I have had, so I'm on the radio every morning yes. and you know one of the things that happens is oftentimes I'll get on a mission mm -hmm. and I you know like a dog on a bone I can't get off of it. So I'm on this wind thing mm -hmm. and we're trying to do everything we can to bring the publicity in and stop it. And all of a sudden commercials start popping up around my show, surprisingly all over my show. Mm -hmm attacking those people spreading misinformation mm -hmm. about how whales are not dying and it's not the fault of this. And they, they talk about all these little nuanced statistics which they have selectively chosen to paint a picture. But I've had many, many fishermen and law enforcement folks and military folks call us, talk to me offline, DM me, send me right. text saying, you don't know the half of it. Yeah. There are whales being dragged out to see so they don't wash up. The actual toll, the death toll of these animals is far higher than being reported, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, when the radicals pay their and their paid shills go on stations like ours and other uh, avenues and say they're not being killed by the wind towers because the wind right. towers aren't yeah. there yet. Right. 
they're being hit by the boats and only 2% are construction. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, aren't we mapping this with sonar? Isn't it, Seismic. right? So tell me, help refute all this nonsense that's mm -hmm. out there. What do people need to know? Because in, in my opinion, from all the evidence I've seen, mm -hmm. we're killing whales, we're killing right. dolphins, we're killing sharks, what are we doing? So the um, best way to describe it is you gotta follow the money, right? So uh, to do the seismic testing, which we know scientifically. Can you explain how that works? I'm the not an seismic engineer. testing? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, All right, I'm I don't know. I, mean, I wish I had somebody who could explain basically it. Basically, they use uh, uh, sparklers or some, yeah. they, they pound the ocean floor right. so that, and then the, a reciprocal comes back up right. to the machine. So it's sound, it's noise, it's, it's disruption, noise, it's, it's vibration. It's just right, like right. me pounding this right matter. now that people are hearing. Yeah. And that vibration is killing the clams and the scallops and the worms and all these pathetic creatures. And you're talking within a half mile of some some of these where the, where the um where this work is being done you're talking about 100 percent mortality rate like that squid that i brought you yeah beautiful so the squid doesn't have a bone so when they when they go and put these pilings in you're talking about 100 and this is in their eis environmental impact studies you're talking 100 percent mortality around right fifth, this half is mile public each one of information yes it Brent. is it yep. was in the application they said yep. that this would happen right and now they're saying it's not happening <clears throat> so so the reason why <laughs> they're amazing. all denying that there's no impacts to these marine Right. is because many of them didn't have their permits when they started the project. So if they of came course. out and said, so you know, that the that we are actually killing them or we can prove that they've killed the whale, my goodness, we, we could bankrupt these companies easily. So yeah. it's the best say, it's not us, we're the one, not the ones who are doing it. Right. So you have, you, so it's an economic. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I had, um, I had a good friend of mine who has a boat, who is a fisherman, uh, more casual, you know, they'll go and they'll eat what they catch. And some folks have been telling him, they're like, don't worry. It's actually going to be better with the wind towers because <laughs> of everything that's going to grow on and around these pylons and bases. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think so. They're vibrating so much that they're actually saying between the vibration and the sound, right. you could have a human toll, disruption in sleep, migraines, etc., within a mile of yeah. each of these things. Yep. So uh, you, you had Mayor Paul Catrana on the, earlier before, and uh, he talked about the flies. Were One you at that event where he gave a speech uh, out of the boat, the he's yacht been club? Awesome. You seen him speak? He's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. He's got my vote, right? So, um, so he talked about the flies. One of the things is the EMFs, right? The electromagnetic yeah. fields. When these cables come down, it's about 300 feet or more before they actually start being buried. So that we know from the science, right, that the sharks uh, avoid the areas where the EMFs are when they're feeding. Right. I'm predicting, just like the mayor's predicting more flies, I'm predicting you're going to see more sharks coming to the beaches, mm. just like you're seeing more whales. And it's because they're going to be looking for food. Yeah, well, they're going to be displaced. Find it. You put 2,000, right. uh, 9,000 miles of cables off New Jersey here, right, mm -hmm. with electromagnetic fields, that is going to drive those sharks into the closer to the beaches where the Manhattan are yeah. in order to feed. It's amazing. So you're probably going to see an increase in shark attacks so, at the Jersey Shore. Uh, Brick, as I wrap up, I got about yep. 30 seconds. Yep. I want to just tell you, all right, so you've brought us good news that they've, we've at least reduced it down to that 
one area. What is the next step, I mean, from your perspective as a person that, that is an advocate on food insecurity issues, as somebody who's involved as a, as a uh, commercial fisherman, what is your perspective and what is happening next? Uh, thank you so much for bringing up the food insecurity issue. Yeah. It's personal to me. In 2018, I started a nonprofit called America's Glean Seafood, where we take the bycatch from the commercial fishing industry and we get it to those individuals who are food insecure. When you look at these development sites, the science is now out there. It's between 40 and 70% decrease in the amount of food that's going to be coming from these areas, right? The aquaculture wow. industry is increasing, but it's not going to be able to fill the, the void that's being created by this industrial offshore wind energy. And we are going to see a decrease in the amount of protein, the amount of fish coming to shore. Amazing. Huge economic impact. So I want to, uh, I want to make sure. That before you leave today, that yeah. you and Sharon are in touch. I know you are already in touch, my mm -hmm. assistant Sharon. I want to get you on the radio, and I want to, uh, I want to talk about this uh, organization that you have, and promote it, and and yeah. get people to understand. Because I think that you know by tying in a local charity, tying mm -hmm. into an industry that is able to provide this protein that people need, mm -hmm. and seeing the impact, those are the 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 kinds of issues that create an opportunity for people to actually see and visualize the victims of what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Unfortunately, yep. what the what the left has has succeeded in doing in large part in our culture is say that there are no victims to wind power, to all of this green energy. The victims mm -hmm. are big oil. And then yep. when they when I tell them I'm like, "You know, big oil is investing in a lot of these Absolutely. wind tunnels. They're diversifying their portfolio." Yep. I said, uh, "No, the victims beyond the fish are the people that rely on the fish. So, Brick, thank you. Let's get together and we'll talk yeah, about thank uh, you. all that. In the you're, you're a real champion. So I really appreciate you. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank Thanks, you, Brick. Brick. That is uh, Brick Wenzel. Um, all right, so um, I, I want to, uh, yeah, I want to thank Brick. And, you know, you don't think about that, right? You think about, and, and he brought up a really interesting point about the recreational fishermen out there, the folks that are out there on the charter boats, not just the ones that are taking advantage of the charter boats, but the ones that captain these boats. Let's bring in our next guest, Captain Bob Bogan. He is captain of the Gambler, which is a deep sea fishing charter. So I meant that I'm, I'm on the boat. I got all excited. You know, it was, it was moving around a little bit, Captain Bob. How you doing? But I didn't feel any seasickness, nothing. And I'm like, I got to go fishing. So I want to do it. I want to like, book a morning. Awesome. How you doing? Awesome. Good to, right. see you, Good to see for, you, Bill. Thanks for thanks for asking me to talk, and I, I wanted to thank the mayor too for yeah. caring for small businesses in this town. Paul Kinnitcher is one of the guys that gets it. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, Frank today he gets it. I mean, it's it's like you've got yes. local government in Ocean County, which totally gets it. I mean, it's called Ocean County for a reason, and we rely on the ocean. And you know, your business. Let's talk about your business. How has it changed, and and uh, what are you seeing as the biggest impact to your livelihood? Well, it's uh, I noticed that. Quite a few boats have gone away um, up and down the coast. And I did a study of it, and I would say in 30 years, it's probably down 50%. The ones that survived are- From the, from, from, you're talking about yeah, commercial I'm, charters or recreational charter right, boats, uh, down 50%. For, for higher, yeah, I, I actually have it all compiled. So it's quite a, quite a reduction in yeah. the fleet. And yet they still keep making us regulating us more and more and more. Let's talk about the, uh, let, for, forgetting wind for a minute, which we know is gonna be a disaster, we can see it. We saw it happen in California, we saw it happen on Cape Cod, when incidentally there are parts of Cape Cod where once they ran their useful life, they took them down. 
because they realized this was a disaster. Um, but let's talk about the industry itself. And when I think of this, I think of our journey from school board to mayor to commissioner and talking about the assembly and the Senate and eventually electing a new governor. What does Trenton need to do, in your opinion, to facilitate an explosive growth of your industry? Well, I believe that they got to, you know, stand up to the regulators. Like, you know, just take, for instance, sea bass. That's one of our mainstays in our state, uh, catching sea bass. Um, when I bought my boat in 2005, there was about 15 million sea bass, adults, pounds of sea bass in the ocean. They, they, that's what they figured. Right. Now it's about 90 million pounds. And it went from 25 fish per man down to right now it's nothing. And next month it'll be one fish per man. Wow. So the stock was actually increasing when it was 25 per man. And now they keep reducing. So the more you were catching, the bigger the population, the faster the population was growing. Well, actually, yeah. When they first did the, the regulation of 25 fish, the population kept growing. But instead of saying, okay, you guys are doing a great job. You're catch There's a lot more fish in the ocean. They said, no, nope, you guys are catching too many. We're going to have to... You guys are going to have to catch less fish. But you know what they don't do? The, the food supply for those fish doesn't increase. I mean, I've had this argument with the bears and the deer and everything else. Like when you have too much of one thing, right. if you don't have, you know, the ultimate conservation group are the fishermen and the hunters. Right. And no and one what, talks about that. What they it's don't take into account is the fact of all of the young lobsters that those sea bass eat. Yeah. And they're saying, gee, we don't know why there's hardly any lobsters around. You know, it's because the sea bass are eating them all. And not just... Lobsters, but a lot so of So what would you have it increase to? I mean, let, let's, let's walk it through so it's a, a personal level. I get on the boat. First of all, you're supplying the rods and all the right. stuff and the coolers, right, the ice. All right, so I'm on the boat now. Yes. <clears throat> what am I looking to fish for? How many can I catch? Well, right now we're just down to three fluke. When I first bought the boat in 2005, it was eight fluke. Now it's three fluke. And... Um, the sea bass season is closed, so you're not allowed to keep that. So, um, and they're doing further restrictions on striped bass. Now, all these populations have made a great increase, yet they say, well, because you caught too many last year, we're going to have to reduce you more. They don't consider the fact that we caught more because there's more fish out there. Now, Bob, let's talk about who's regulating this, because somebody called my show the other day, and they're like, no, 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 this has nothing to do with Trenton. This is all on the federal government. And I said, that's not entirely true. Well, it, it is the federal government, and the state has to be in compliance. But the state did go out of compliance a couple of years ago uh, with the fluke. And everybody was afraid, oh, there's going to be this great impact. But there wasn't. Right, right. So Trenton could fight back. They could fight back. But they don't. They don't. They don't. So tell me about the boat. How many guys you got on the boat? What's a, uh, talk, walk me through a, a charter. My wife Jody's here, and I wanted to hear well, this. So we, we could, she's uh, really the, the, the fisherman. She's, she grew up on boats, the whole thing. Me, I'm a land guy. Well, we, I'm we gonna try actually, it anyway. um, in, uh, after COVID, we reduced the capacity of the boat uh, from 88 people to 44 people, and people really liked that. Um, so we just kept it at that. And what we had to do is increase our fare a little bit, but it still worked out because we're carrying, you know. What's it going to cost me for a four-hour fishing trip? Uh, it's... $70. 70 then, bucks. Uh, $70 and then $10 for a rod. And it's then fantastic. You have the bait Supply included. the bait. We have uh, coolers you could use on the boat. I love it. We have the help of the deckhands. I love it. It's just a great day. Captain Bob, 
Thank you. Thank you, Bill. What's the website for The Gambler? Uh, gamblerfishing.net. Gamblerfishing.net. Book a charter. Catch some fish. Thank you, Thank Bill. you, Bob. All right. I'm going to... We have, one, we have one more guest, and we have a thunderstorm coming in, so we're going to try to time this perfectly. Let's bring in uh, my good friend, Assemblyman John Catalano. And, you know, let me just tell you this about John. So how often do we talk about that, that it's all about local? Well, John has served in the Assembly for a number of years and made the bold, brave, courageous, and smart yeah. decision to say, I'm getting the hell out of Trenton. I want to be mayor of Brick. How you doing, John? Good to see you. So you're, you're out. You're calling it. I'm done with Trenton. I'm going to go solve problems locally. Well, I still have a few more months to yeah. give it my all in Sorry. Trenton. Uh, yeah. Which that, that brick wall keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yes. And, why, why run for mayor of Brick? Well, why not? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been involved in politics probably for 20, 25 years down here. Uh, have always been on the right side of politics as a Republican. Uh, smaller government, bigger business, smaller debt. Um, I just, I really love the town of Brick Township. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm invested in it fully my whole life. Uh, my wife and I raised a family there. I've had several businesses in Brick that still exist, and uh, I want to keep it that way. Um, What's been the number one challenge? And maybe you have some advice from our friend, uh, Mayor Paul Canitra, who uh, <laughs> with, uh, um, uh, I, I expect he will be headed to the assembly without uh, a huge problem in this election. Uh, what advice do you have for him? Um, Duck. Duck, duck, right. run, fast. armor, armor. Right. Put the shields up. <laughs> um, you know, you you have to try the best you can to develop friendships on the other side of the aisle, uh, which I've done. But that being said, they have their marching orders from Murphy on down, and uh, they do what what they're told to do, <laughs> not what their brain tells them to do right. or their heart. Critical thinking, independent thinking is gone. Right? And we need to bring that back. You're going to bring that to Brick, no doubt. What's the best part about your hometown? Um, best part of everything. It's a tough question, right? It is. It's just and I totally everything. put you on the spot. You're like, oh, I thought we were talking about wind you know, power. I think, I think, Bill, it's the, the, bi the business atmosphere. Yeah. You know, we have many businesses, and my business has thrived. thrived. Uh, I've made a very good living in Brick, and I see more and more businesses coming. We're probably the restaurant capital of the world. You know, it's fantastic. In Brick Township. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have a gr if I can get into a yeah. little, I, I have a great team uh, running for council. Uh, Jim Palmisano, Rocco Palmieri, Teresa Gallagher, and Mary Buckley, all invested in our town. Uh, they all bring their own specialty to the table. And, and I think what we really need to do, because of Murphy and his Democratic legislatures, legislators right oh, just annoys me that i have to talk I about this i get it i get it um the current the current administration there they just whether they believe it or not they're infiltrated with all of this democratic malarkey all the bad bills all the bad policies i don't want those policies in brick and this current administration has done not a thing about it they haven't walked across the street to the Board of Education to bitch about the school funding, the curriculum, nothing. Uh, 
except for the first time maybe four or five months ago when Gopal, he did something with the governor that we're going to give you another $1.7 million to brick. Other than that, they've never done anything. Um, well, Vin Gopal is on the other side, but he at least can uh, be reasonable, and he understands it from a local perspective. Absolutely. You, you, you know, know, Bill, and very few to, Democrats do these days. A little bit on the uh, assembly side, we have a bill, 5352, which would fully fund, and I'm only worried about Brick Township right now, it would fully fund our school system back to adequacy. Murphy and his budget wants to give us $16 million. Gopal added another 1.7. Our bill would bring Brick $32 million, which would bring us right to where we need to be to have a good education. And I've been preaching that at board, board meetings. The board is on, on board with it, believe it or not. The Democrats, trying to get them to call their counterparts in Trenton is another story. But I've had a meeting with uh, two superintendents and three BAs. They are all for it. They're trying to do a little more streamlining of their yeah. thoughts before they really become public with it. But I'm going to be their big mouthpiece. And uh, I, I want to do the best for Brick that How I can. How do people get in touch with you to uh, get involved with your campaign for mayor? 732-600-8992. Uh, That's my cell. Be happy to call it. I love it. Uh, hey, think about that. A member of the legislature, running for mayor, willing to give out a cell phone. I love that. John, thank you. Thanks, Bill. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, thank you. John Catalano. All right, guys. Uh, so they're telling me a thunderstorm is rolling in, which is interesting. Um, but I will tell you this. It's ah, the, 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 uh, sometimes the adversity you've got to deal with at the Jersey Shore, from the flies to the wind, it's all good. We are having a great weekend. This is a great Jersey Shore summer weekend. I want to thank all of the folks and the staff here at Jenkinson's Boardwalk in perfect Point Pleasant Beach. It is a great, great beach day. Get down here for the day. Come on to Jenks and uh, buy something to eat. Enjoy yourself. Relax. Enjoy the beach, the ocean. This storm will pass quickly for sure. And you got a gorgeous day coming up tomorrow. And we've got weeks and weeks and weeks of summer left. I hope one of the takeaways you have from today's show is that you understand our commitment to bring you the local stakeholders, the local champions, the local warriors who are fighting to take our state back. Let me just reiterate because I think it deserves mentioning all the time. Forget about the division that government and big corporate and the media are trying to sow between us. They want you to be divided between black and white, between gay and straight, between income levels and job titles and all of it. They're trying to divide you from your children. They're actively going after any parent that stands up. They actively go after any small business that stands up. There are three pillars of the New Jersey comeback. The first is standing up for law enforcement. The second is standing up for our great small businesses. And the third is standing up for mom and dad. And I will just leave you with this thought. Back in 1993, there was a tax revolution in this state and the bums all got shown the door. Well, here we are 25, 30 years later and I can tell you from hearing it on the ground, from talking to folks in the largest audience in the state, and from Jody, my wife and I, being around this state, three, four, five events, talking to hundreds and hundreds of New Jerseyans every single week, I can tell you there is an energy, there is a fight out there. We're gonna stop these wind towers. We are gonna stop the sexualization of our kids. We are gonna fight back against the alphabet soup mafia. We are gonna restore common sense on our city streets. We're gonna end bail reform. We are going to restore common sense, good, dedicated government from the local level in 23 and 24 up to the governor's office in 25. Dig in with me. 
jointhefight2023.com. Thank you for watching the show today. Appreciate our studio audience. Thank you, guys. Happy New Jersey summer. We'll see you soon.